show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. I had a little drink about an hour ago and it's gone right to my head. Wherever I may roam, on land or sea or foam, you can always hear me sing this song. Show me the way to go home. Hello. Welcome <laughs> to the virtual pub. For some, um, some some drinks trivia and social history with absolutely no tasting notes. Thank goodness. No. Um, no. I'm I'm Tim, I think, and I am joined by my drinking buddy, Larry. Um, what's going on? I have a sore head. Yeah. This um, is too much. <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone. Happy um, New Year. What better way? to start the new year than with a sonkin hangover. Mm-hmm. New year, new me. <laughs> we've done the hard work, so you don't have to. Um, <laughs> and today we're going to be talking all about hangovers. <laughs> Great. <laughs> the last thing all, you wanted to. I, I, did, um, I did promise you last episode um, that I would be drinking your Christmas present to me, which is this delightful Heather Mead, and that is in exactly what I'm drinking. Oh, Thank you very much. How is it? Lovely. It's it's oh. meaty and it's heathery. Nice. I'm drinking water because I am not an animal. <laughs> so we've two very different approaches um, <laughs> to the hangover here as we may explore. Um, shall I shall I kick off with where hangovers began? Who invented the hangover? Why did they think it was a good idea? I think I've got an idea, but crack on, yeah. Tell me. Tell me why I feel like this. Okay. Um do you know the hangover was first described um, in recorded history anyway more than 3,000 years ago in the Susruta Samhita which is an Indian textbook on Vedic medication then it was described as Paramada which is a post-drinking condition characterised by see if, you, see if you can tick these off thirst, pain in the head and joints and heaviness of the body with no known cure I think you missed um, the the overwhelming feeling of shame. <laughs> ah, well, I might get to that. Um, anxiety, as it's always known. Um, the word hangover, though, specifically, only became associated with alcohol in the past century. So it first appeared in English in the 19th century as an expression for describing unfinished business from meetings. So it was literally, we haven't finished our meeting, that's the hangover from the meeting. And then that metaphor got used in, well, at least kind of written reference in 1904. First cro- uh, cropping up as um, relating to alcohol. I didn't think it was such a modern word, I don't know, it just felt older. But mm. yeah, there you go. Um, a few other expressions for hangover. The French say mal aux cheveux, which means sore hair. They say, even my hair hurts, <laughs> <laughs> which I like as an expression. Uh, they also describe it as wooden mouth, rather yeah. than like dry mouth or cotton mouth, wooden mouth. Um, in Chile, Tick. a hangover is known as caña, from Spanish slang for the glass of beer. Um, and similarly, the Irish will um, call it brown bottle flu, <laughs> oh. in reference to the glasses drinking from the that you're brown, drinking yeah. from. Yeah. And um, in fact, bottle ache generally and was used in mid-19th century Britain as well so bottle ache was a term before hangover but the the word that's had the longest run 
it's not really in use anymore, but from the 1530s up to sort of the 20th century, it was crapulence. That's what we used to call <laughs> it. Should we bring that back? I like Absolutely. It. I much crapulence. prefer it to hangover as a word, crapulence. Yeah. And crapulence doesn't have to be related to alcohol, actually. It can be like a food hangover as well. It's that kind of gross feeling you get after you've overindulged. <laughs> What's a food hangover? I don't think I've ever had a food hangover. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> I can, well, that's I the can, problem. <laughs> I can testify to the fact that you've never had a, hang- a food hangover. Um, the Danish describe it as carpenters in the forehead, which is very descriptive. Have you heard of the term katzenjammer? Yes, I have. So um, it, it comes from German, katzenjammer, which means wailing cats. Mm-hmm. So the idea of wailing cats in your head. But actually, it comes from 19th century American slang. So it's not a term that the Germans use as such, although it is of sort of Germanic origin. Um, I've, there's actually a beer keller just down the road from me um, called Cats and Yammer, which I'm called Cats and Jammer. That's why I've heard of it. Yeah, <laughs> I've probably been there. But um, I like that one as well. I like it's very descriptive. Another American one, they call it the Zings. That sounds a bit century. too jazzy, doesn't it? Zings, yeah. It's a bit like, oh, I'm feeling zingy. Like, no, I'm feeling yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any um, any favourite terms for hangover, by the way? Are there any Welsh ones you're aware of? Um, I don't think so. Um, trying to think. Mm, no, I can't think of any. I'll tell you mine. I like um, I like wobble noggin. <laughs> that's a good one again very descriptive wobble noggin and um being on your period oh god that's gross <laughs> i don't like that i'm not bringing that back again very descriptive um i know you want a bit of maritime language input it's mm-hmm. like some maritime language uh, under the weather has its roots from there so when a a sailor became um, ill or, or seasick or let's say uh, groggy from imbibing oh, too much uh, course, too much rum um, they were sent below decks to the most stable part of the ship so they weren't rocking too much and that would be under the weather rail as it was as it was called that area so it, they would be sent under the weather rail and then that was just shortened to under the weather which now sticks around for feeling a bit sick and down that's great love this yeah. ship yeah um so you mentioned kind of that feeling of regret mm-hmm. the, the finnish um have a word for this uh morix and um it's it's sort of it's a clipping of moralin and crapula which literally means moral hangover <laughs> so yeah it's yeah. that hangover where you're like oh i did something wrong i have a feeling of regret mm-hmm. um yeah so the Finnish are very aware of that. Go Finnish. Uh, so you might be wondering what actually happens when we have hangovers. There are loads of studies into this, I have noticed, but there's not a lot of scientific agreement, uh, which I think suggests something to do with the rigour of the uh, of the studies that have been done. But anyway, I'll float a few theories. Um, one is that hangovers are down to dehydration because alcohol decreases the production of um, an antidiuretic hormone uh, which is something that the body needs to absorb water so with less of that available you lose more fluid through urination um, alcoholic drinks contain very small amounts of methanol 
in addition to ethanol, which the body breaks down into the toxins formaldehyde and formic acid about 10 hours after drinking, which can make you feel ill. Uh, it lowers your blood sugar, which is why we want to carb load the next morning. And then many of the the more the cognitive alcohol hangover symptoms like memory loss, like mood changes and anxiety, um, appear to be down to the effects of the immune system um, activation and its impact on the central nervous system. So as mm-hmm. the body tries to process alcohol um, in the bloodstream, it produces these tiny molecules called cytokines. And mm-hmm. cytokine receptors are very dense in a part of the brain that I've mentioned a couple of times on this podcast, actually, the hippocampus. Um, and that's the part that's crucial to memory function. So obviously you remember that. Um, and some <laughs> studies um, show that increased cytokine concentration causes weakness, decreased appetite, sickness, and inability to concentrate. Mm. So there's quite a few things that contribute to the whole mix of hangovers, I would say. But also there's a huge um, predisposition and genetic component to how people deal with hangovers because it is all about how your body's processing stuff so the symptoms and you know impact can really vary i know we joke about my fantastic memory Mm. (laughs) Uh, but i do suffer like really badly from the whole memory loss thing on hangover um Mm -hmm. like i know a lot of people would say that you know you have to get a certain level of like very 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 drunk to not remember the night before but that's not the case for me i can i can get like a little bit drunk you know had a few too many but i will remember literally nothing from the night before you're and a, people you're... will then think oh god she got so wasted she blacked out no i just do not remember anything from the night before yeah our, our reactions <laughs> do really vary and also i think we all know that your hippocampus is wrecked uh, <laughs> at, the, at the best of times thank you very much <laughs> um have you have you heard uh, people say kind of hangovers get worse with age as well Yes, actually, I'm going to talk a little bit about that later. But come oh, okay. On. <laughs> I was well. I was just going to say that they um, that is kind of what people think, but there's not much evidence to show that that's true. Mm-hmm. And of the studies I've seen, it suggests that the opposite is actually true. Um, yeah. That they're, they're worse than younger people. Um, but another stat, just to throw in with that, about a quarter of drinkers say that they are resistant to hangover symptoms. So either they don't get hangovers, or if they do, they're quite mild. So yeah, mm-hmm. the, the reactions are hugely varied. Why don't you tell me more about um, about hangovers and people with hangovers then? I will stop my stats for a while. Yes, I've got some cures I'd like to talk about. Um, so there's a multitude of them. <laughs> Everyone's got their own version of how they cure their hangover. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I just went online and started looking at hangover cures from just hardcore drinkers, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yep. I think they should know their shit. So I started looking at kind of celebrities who were known for drinking and what they um, what they, what they do. So I went straight in with Oliver Reed. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. So what would Oliver Reed do when he was hangover? <laughs> Uh, he would hide away in his bedroom, eating chocolate lucasid and sardines on toast. That was his kind of hat trick. Um, he would refer to his bedroom as the clinic during this time. <laughs> um, and he'd spend a few days doing this because obviously he'd be quite drunk. 
so he'd eat chocolate lucasade, sardines on toast for a couple of days, and then he'd be ready to face the world again. Um, I, I was with him up until the sardines, to be honest. Chocolate and lucasade are probably things I will eat on a hangover. You said it so um, <clears throat> close together when you were reading out that list that I thought chocolate lucasade was a thing. And I was like, ooh. Ooh, chocolate lucasade. <laughs> mm. <laughs> no, chocolate, comma, lucasade. <laughs> yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Um, Keith Richards, another good party man. <laughs> Um, when he was asked for his advice, he didn't really actually give a hangover cure. He just said um, he swears by only drinking really high quality alcohol, like really expensive alcohol, um, in order to kind of cut out some of the shitty chemicals that he claims make him more hangover. Um, so I am going to talk more later about kind of whether or not some of these work. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's Keith Richards' advice. Um, Keith Moon. What does he do on a hangover? Um, he's a bit more prescriptive than Keith Richards. Um, he claims that the best hangover cure is to wake up at 6am, eat a breakfast of sausage and eggs, washed down with a bottle of Don Perignon and half a bottle of brandy, uh, take a couple of downers and then go back to sleep. I mean, wow. I think I'd only be able to sleep after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no other option. <laughs> um... Kingsley Amy, Kingsley Amis, I'm not Amos. sure how you pronounce it, Amis, Kingsley Amis, uh, he concocted something that he referred to as milk punch, which was one part brandy, one part bourbon, four parts milk, plus nutmeg and frozen milk cubes. This is to be drunk immediately on rising in lieu of eating breakfast. Wow. Do you know what that mm. made me think of? Mm. On, um, on the sitcom, it, um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. They create a thing called fight milk. <laughs> it just <laughs> yeah. it made, made me think of that. <laughs> if, if fight milk has an actual recipe, it's that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's another weird milk concoction actually on the okay. list. Um, Robert Mitchum, uh, he would drink something that he called mother's milk. Um, this was gin, lemon juice, lime juice, egg white, sugar, cream, orange flower water and soda water. I think that sounds more like fight milk than the other one. Yeah, it does. The other one sounds like it, it's you know, at least palatable. That mother's milk that Mitchum made sounds disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was the kind of list from the hardcore drinkers out there. But I did then obviously go into a bit of a rabbit hole of just, you know, celebrities and their their weird hangover cures. So I pulled out some interesting one. Um, Prince William claims that jellied eels are the way to go for a hangover, which is, yeah, take what you want from that. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing is what I want to take from that. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Um, David Beckham claims to um, have learned from his granddad, um, Alka-Seltzer before bed and then a bacon butty in the morning. That'll get you set up, ready for some LGBTQ plus brain greenwashing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, David Beckham. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, <laughs> I already know this is going to be gold. What does um, What does she put inside herself? <laughs> <laughs> what does she shove up her vag? Um, she claims it's it's kind of hydrotherapy approach. Draw a bath that's as hot as you can handle it. Soak for 20 minutes and then pop into a freezing cold shower for one minute. 
then get back in the hot bath, stay until you're warmed up, then get back into the shower for one more minute. So kind of Wim Hof method, really. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's just like what the Scandinavians do. Yeah, but I doubt they've got vagina scented candles going whilst doing it. Yeah, not it. so much. No, they're, <laughs> they're more into birch. Nigella <laughs> um, Lawson had a fun sounding one. She calls it the prairie oyster. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, it just, I had to put this one in you because it just sounds like I would immediately throw up on this one. Um, so you obviously have your oyster and then you've got an egg yolk, uh, Tabasco, Worcester sauce, brandy and vinegar. You swallow it in one gulp. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. I'm surprised um, Nigella needs anything because we all know she's snacking from the fridge all through the night. Yes. <laughs> like she must and be tired by the time she finally wakes up. Just popping chips in the microwave. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I'll, I'm going to finish with Cameron Diaz because she's pretty much hit the nail on the head for me. McDonald's and a beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Redu- reduced then, it down to its essential elements there. <laughs> yeah. McD- McDonald's and a beer. And then probably go home and have a poo and a cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essential milestones of the hangover journey. <laughs> yeah. Cameron Diaz didn't mention the poo and the cry. Please don't sue me. Okay. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you. Yeah, he works. Um, so you, obviously, quite a few of those cures were about just have another drink. Get back on um, it. Mm-hmm. Get back on it, which we know is hair of the dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought I'd look into a bit about that like where that comes from so i have found it in brewer's dictionary of phrase and fable from 1898 um which which is a great book for kind of finding these sorts of uh, these histories behind things it says uh, in scotland it is a popular belief that a few hairs of the dog that bit you applied to the wound will prevent evil consequences so it actually literally referred to um a supposed cure for a dog bite which was to put the dog's hair in the wound. It's not. It wasn't even originally a metaphor. Um, and then applied to drinks. Obviously, it means if overnight you've indulged too freely, take a glass of the same wine within twenty-four hours to soothe the nerves. Um, so that's uh, that's in that book. But the earliest known reference to the phrase "hair of the dog" in connection with drunkenness is found in a text from ancient Ugarit, which I believe is northern Syria. Um, dating from the mid to late second millennium BCE, in which the gods, there's different spellings and pronunciations, but like El Ilu, um, becomes hungover after a drinking binge. And the text includes a recipe for a salve to be applied to the forehead, which consists of hairs of a dog and parts of an unknown plant mixed with olive oil. Um, so actually, the not only the sort of have a drink, but the idea of of dog hairs and hair of the dog that bit you actually spreads quite far through history and across many cultures which I wasn't expecting um, but it's, it's something we seem to believe um, if you do um, have alcohol during your hangover phase um, as, we, as we're calling it <laughs> part of one of those milestones um, it, it does affect it does affect you in some ways um, positively in the immediate sense because your body then stops metabolizing methanol um, into toxins that I mentioned earlier, the formaldehyde, etc., and it goes back to processing ethanol. But it does mean that it, you're just going to process the methanol later. But it does mm-hmm. actually interrupt that process, so the the drink will immediately make you feel a bit better. 
Um, similar phrases in other cultures. So in Costa Rica, they call it hair of the pig, but same <laughs> idea. Um, in Puerto Rico, they call it to kill the mouse. To have your morning after drink. Mm. Ireland and Mexico call it the cure. <laughs> so if you're offering morning drink, oh, are you no offering the cure? <laughs> yeah. Um, Portugal, they call it the hit, as in to hit away the hangover. In Slavic languages, they call it, um, what translates as a wedge, which is um, to do the concept of dislodging a stuck wedge with another one or a nail with another nail. Um, so yeah, there's a Polish phrase to dislodge a wedge with a wedge. That's where that comes from. In Germany and Japan, they call it a counter beer or counter drinking. <laughs> um, in Finnish, <laughs> it's tasutava, uh, which means smoothening. <laughs> or I think it's it's kar oh, I don't know if that's korjausaria or something like that, which means repair kit. So they call it smoothing or repair kit in Finnish, which I like. But I think my favourite one is the Dutch. Um, because they've lent into portmanteaus um, instead of metaphors. So you can get a reparadler, which is repair and radler <laughs> drink. Mm -hmm. Or, and this is pretty genius, the morning after pills. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like it. It's a good wordplay from the Dutch there. Um, yeah, so that's what people call having having that curative drink. Uh, in the morning in different cultures. Hmm. I've got some myths that I'd like to bust. Okay. <clears throat> so talking about, talking about hair of the dog and obviously a lot of the cures I mentioned earlier. Mm. A lot of them are bullshit. <laughs> sure. Um, so I just, yeah, I compiled a list of, because like I said, lots of people have their different approaches to hangovers. Um, so I'd like to do some myth busting, please. Um, so number one, chugging water. So whether it's kind of people saying they're having, you know, a glass of water in between drinks on their night out or waking up the next morning and just chugging pints of water. Um, it will help, but it's not going to eradicate the whole hangover. Um, so alcohol inhibits a hormone that regulates water balance. Um, so that's why you weigh a lot more. But whilst you're weighing a lot more, the kind of hormone that regulates that water balance is also sucking water out of your cells. So you do get dehydrated because you're weighing lots more, you're losing water out of your cells, and that's why you feel you've got a headache, dizzy, dry mouth, tired. Um, but unfortunately, the dehydration isn't the sole cause of your hangover. <laughs> uh, it's a lot more complicated than that. A lot of the congeners and the chemicals used to colour the booze um, the toxic byproduct that your body produces when it's metabolizing the alcohol, the inflammatory chemicals re released within the body when you drink, and the fact that you know you don't have a good night's sleep when you're drunk, it messes up everything. So, although sipping water in between drinks or on the morning of a hangover will help you hydrate you, it's not really going to eradicate all of the effects. Soz. <laughs> Um, some people say sticking to just beer will help. It's kind of true. Um, beer does contain less alcohol per serving than spirits and wine. But at the end of the day, it depends how much you drink. <laughs> um, beer still contains all the congeners that's going to make you feel crap. So if you drink a lot of beer, you're going to get hungover. 
Um, as a rule, you are safer with lighter coloured beers and wines and spirits because obviously, as I mentioned, the colours that are used to colour alcohol can make you feel a bit worse. But if you're going to have a skin full, you're going to have a hangover. <laughs> um, the higher quality booze, as per Keith Richards, um, again, it just goes back to the amount you drink. Yes, lower quality alcohol will contain more impurities than pricier alcohol, um, but they all still contain the ingredients that contribute to hangovers. Uh, expensive booze is still alcoholic, <laughs> so you're going to get a hangover. Um, drinking spirits before beer. Some people say, you know, they'd rather drink, you know, if people are drinking beers and you offer them a shot, they'll say, no, 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 I'm just sticking to beer. But some people will have a couple of shots and then move to beer. They think that's going to stop some kind of magical concoction going on in their tummy and their metabolism. But no, the more you drink, the more likely you will experience a hangover. It doesn't matter which way you do it. If you do it. 10 Jager bombs and then two beers, it's not going to change your hangover because you did them that way around. <laughs> That's just common sense, guys. Um, <clears throat> drunk eating carbs. So having a load of chips or pizza or something stodgy to soak up the alcohol the night before you go to sleep is unfortunately going to probably make your hangover worse. Uh, anything you eat before, during and after drinking, in fact, will reduce the rate at which alcohol hits the bloodstream, um, which is a good thing because obviously it makes you kind of get drunk slower. So, yeah, lighting your stomach is a good idea because you will get drunk slower. But it does mean that at some point that booze is going to hit your bloodstream. So your hangover is probably going to be worse. Um, the type of food won't slow the speed of absorption, but certain foods can worsen your hangover symptoms. Uh, if you go for something acidic, spicy or salty, that can trigger heartburn and indigestion or further hydrate you. So you're going to get more of a headache. Another thing to keep in mind, eating massive portions right before bed can mess with your sleep as well. So to satisfy your munchies without doing extra damage to your body, plan ahead and get some healthy drunk foods, said nobody ever. <laughs> I can't, can't think of a single person who does that. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember, I can't remember who it was, but somebody said, oh, they always have an apple before bed. I'm like, what, what drunk person goes, mm, I'm going to have an apple. <laughs> Um, avoiding sweet cocktails it's only since I've been a bit older that I've heard people say this one but they say no I'm not going to have sweet cocktails um, unfortunately this doesn't help because again it's not the sugar or the sugary drinks that make you feel rubbish um, some research suggests that sugary mixers slow down the rate of alcohol absorption you don't get drunk as quickly so it's the same process as the whole food thing. It just slows down the whole process. So it mm -hmm. just prolongs your hangover hitting you. Um, throwing up. I mean, I've heard lots of people say I'm going to have a tactical spew. <laughs> um, so, yeah, whilst vomiting does remove the booze that's in your stomach, uh, it means your body's off the hook for me metabolizing that bit. I mean, throwing up is often a sign that you're already too far gone. <laughs> Your body's already soaked up all the toxins, so you're, you're doomed. So, yeah, throwing up is a pointless effort. Uh, coffee? Are you one for coffee when you're hungover? Sure. I mean, I drink coffee I'm every not. morning. 
I, I can't face hot drinks when I'm hungover, but a lot of people do drink coffee. Um, drinking it can stave off symptoms of caffeine withdrawal. Coffee can ultimately worsen a throbbing headache, as caffeine reduces the swollen blood vessels that play a role in headaches. Um, that said, a little bit of coffee can provide some reprieve, so instead of getting like a a large ex- a double shot latte, try having half your normal coffee intake to just get the little bit that you need. Um, so I talked about eating food before you uh, go to bed. What about the morning after when you're craving your fry-up and greasy breakfast? Um, a heavy breakfast unfortunately can trigger indigestion as I've said it'll make you feel worse Um, especially if you're not used to eating that kind of food Um, alcohol cuts right through grease so nothing's going to happen if you eat you know fried bread chips dominoes whatever you want again I'm going to be that person that says it fruit (laughs) is the last thing you want but it is the the best kind of thing you can eat on a hangover it replenishes your blood sugar levels that dip when you drink alcohol as you mentioned earlier um so although you're craving carbs have some fruit and porridge instead (laughs) yum 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 as per David Beckham popping pills before bed so most over-the-counter painkillers take half an hour to kick in and the maximum benefits last an hour or two. So common sense, David, doesn't work. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> some um, people would say he's an idiot. <laughs> some people. <laughs> some people. <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier about how people say it's, you know, getting older and mm-hmm. is that a thing? A lot of people say, you know, I, I can't drink like I used to it's not that it's just you're getting older and your body's losing muscle mass and with less muscle mass your blood alcohol level goes up faster in response to smaller amounts of booze so it's not it, it is you can't drink like you used to but um, some people think it's because they go out less like you know in your 20s you're going out every night sometimes whereas when you're older it's you know only a couple of times a year that you get drunk but it's not your tolerance it's your old withered body (laughs) great um staying in bed on a hangover isn't the smartest thing to do although it feels very nice um exercise as we know releases endorphins it's the body's natural painkiller so get up and have a walk if you can it'll increase circulation it'll get oxygen to your cells and make you feel a bit better I mean, I don't practice what I preach. I definitely stay in bed. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do all the right things. You know me, I'm a morning person, though. I'm like, no. let's get up and shower and go out and eat fruit and have coffee and breathe no. the air. Nope. <laughs> you I'm hibernate. Like, you order dominoes, stay in bed, cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last one on my list, and I have no idea why people think this is a hangover cure, because... I, I haven't tried it as a hangover cure. I've just tried to do it before and immediately regret it. Having sex. Oh, who wants to have sex on a bloody hangover? But well, um, not with you. <laughs> thanks, mate. Is that what you were getting at? I don't know. <clears throat> Did I misread the signs? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it'll it release some endorphins, but I think it's a little bit too much, and it'll just make you feel sick. <laughs> Tried and tested. <laughs> I don't need any more details from that. 
I'm just going to finish there. I don't have sex on a hangover. Bye. Great, thank you. <laughs> Why did your section make me feel more ill? Because uh, you're now finding... thinking about having sex with me on a hangover. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. I, found, I have found the whole of your section quite nauseating. <laughs> Especially that. You're welcome. Um, okay, great. So uh, I thought the most famous, I think, like hair of the dog drink is probably the Corpse Reviver. Um, oh. An official official cocktail, uh, which it describes a few cocktails actually, but with the main purpose, you know, that it's supposed to be your hair of the dog drink. Um, it appears in literature as early as 1861 in Punch, um, in Punch magazine, um, and there was a recipe in the Gentleman's Table Guide in 1871. And the recipe was half a wine glass of brandy, half a wine glass of maraschino, and two dashes of Boca's bitters. But the the first kind of widely popularised Corpse Reviver cocktail is in the Savoy Cocktail Book, a very famous um, cocktail recipe book. And it's a cognac-based cocktail that calls for two parts cognac, one part Calvados, or apple brandy, and one part Italian vermouth. And in the, uh, the bartender's notes, he says, to be taken before 11am or whenever steam or energy is needed. <laughs> nice. And then, but Corpse Reviver version 2 um, in the Savoy Cocktail book is probably the one that's most common now. Um, and that's equal parts gin, lemon juice, curacao, so most popularly Cointreau, um, traditionally King Lille, but that's now usually um, Cocci Americano and a dash of absinthe as well so the dash of absinthe can either be added to the mix before shaking or you add it to the cocktail glass and and move around so it has that that layer of absinthe to give the subtle aroma so the the savoy number two recipe says four says (laughs) here's the instructions four of these taken in swift succession will unrevive the corpse again (laughs) (laughs) unrevive yeah (laughs) One to revive, four to unrevive. It's like, it's like black magic, isn't it? <laughs> oh, there we go. I think I'll, I'll end my advice on morning drinking there. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I spent a little bit of time enjoying like fictional hangovers, like hangovers in film. <laughs> mm. um, so obviously there's the hangover, but I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about just some nice examples I found of the way that hangovers were kind of described or shown on screen. Um, So the first one I found was um, from the 1957 comedy film Lucky Jim. Um, And it's a narrator is describing the way that Jim Dixon feels. (laughs) Uh, Jim Dixon was alive again. Consciousness was upon him before he could get out of the way. He lay sprawled, too wicked to move, spewed up like a broken spider crab on the tarry shingle of the morning. His mouth had been used as a latrine by some small creature of the night, and then as its mausoleum. During the night, too, he'd somehow been on a cross-country run and then been expertly beaten up by the secret police. He felt bad. (laughs) (laughs) I like that one. My dog just sneezed. Um... Another comedy film from the 90s, The Bonfire of the Vanities. Another narrator is describing the state on the character Peter Fallow. 
the telephone blasted Peter Fallow awake inside an egg with the shell peeled away and only the membranous sac holding it intact. Ah, the membranous sac was his head and the right side of his head was on the pillow and the yolk was, at the he- was as heavy as mercury and it rolled like mercury and it was pressing down on his right temple. If you try to get up to answer the telephone, the yolk, the mercury, the poisoned mass would shift and roll and rupture the sack and his brains would fall out. Wow. <laughs> this is an accurate description. <laughs> They're very good. Um, couldn't really not mention with Neil and I in this section. Of course. Um, I love the whole way, the, the way they describe a hangover as the arena of the unwell. <laughs> um, but some of, just some of the quotes from this film um one conversation they had was oh god i don't feel good look my thumbs have gone weird my heart's beating like a fucked clock i feel dreadful i feel really dreadful to which with nail responds so do i so does everybody look at my tongue it's wearing a yellow sock (laughs) (laughs) um and then one of my favorites there must be and there shall be aspirin and i feel like a pig shat in my head (laughs) Um, so many quotes from that film beautiful (laughs) Um, and I also wanted to just mention because a lot of the kind of films poems everything it it all covers mainly male protagonists talking about hangovers Mm -hmm. not so much women Um, the first time it was really done um, properly and wholeheartedly was in Bridget Jones's diary Um, I quite like this one because I have definitely been this person Uh, First day of New Year has been a day of horror. Cannot quite believe I am once again starting the New Year in a single bed in my parents' house. Having skulked at home all day, hoping the hangover would clear, I eventually gave up and set set off for the turkey curry buffet far too late. When I got there, I was still in a strange world of my own, nauseous, vile-headed, acidic. I leaned against the ornament shelf for support. (laughs) Bless her. Oh, the good old hangover lean. (laughs) Um, and also I'm just going to squeeze this in here because we love a world record Mm, on our podcast Um, I was just frantically trying to find some kind of world record hangover obviously there's nothing in the Guinness world records (laughs) no I don't think they endorse Um, that (laughs) but I did find um, what doctors think they diagnosed as the longest hangover in history Mm -hmm. Um, obviously takes us to Scotland (laughs) Um, a 30-year-old man admitted himself into a in Glasgow complaining of wavy vision and a non-stop headache that had lasted for four weeks. Uh, so doctors were initially stumped by the symptoms because the patient had no history of head injury or loss of consciousness, wasn't on any medication, uh, so they were scratching their heads on it and eventually they called in an eye specialist who then found that the man had developed an extremely rare condition caused by severe dehydration. And after a lot of questioning and prodding, it was revealed that the patient had consumed 60 pints of beer over a four-day period. Oh, God. Um, So, yeah, it was a really, really, really bad case of hangover slash dehydration. Um, He had to undergo six months of long-term blood-thinning treatment. And after six months, his vision was back to normal and his headache had gone. Wow. That is is some kind of achievement. (laughs) Oh, poor Scotland. Our podcast does nothing for the reputation of Scotland. (laughs) I know. um, Sorry, Scotland. (laughs) But they they do bring it on themselves. (laughs) (laughs) It had to be Scotland. Um, 
beautiful. Do you know, I actually, mm-hmm. I tried to find out if there was any interesting trivia about the film The Hangover, and mm-hmm. um, there wasn't. That <laughs> <laughs> was a great shade. <laughs> there really wasn't. The most interesting thing I could find was that Mike Tyson has said he took the role in that to fund his cocaine habit. Oh, I'm glad we didn't talk about it. (laughs) And that was it. Everything else just was either boring or horrible. So, Um, Picking up on kind of, there's loads of representations of male hangover and not so much female. Mm -hmm. It made me think, I hadn't really prepared a section on this, but it made me think that the go-to place for hangovers, I find, is... 19th century Parisian art (laughs) if you if we look at all the kind of like the bohemian paintings there's a very famous one called The Hangover uh, Mm -hmm. by Toulouse-Lautrec I might dig out a link for that later but my favourite one is actually um, not French but it's it's kind of off that earth it's Edvard Monk and it's called The Day Mm -hmm. After I've just put a link in our chat so you can have a look for yourself Um, but it's a a languishing woman uh, on the bed kind of all askew half hanging off and on her bedside table are a couple of bottles and a couple of glasses and um i feel like you've probably got pictures of me like that in your flat yeah it very much reminded me of your visits here (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i'll put this link in the uh, in the podcast notes but um (laughs) There's a, there's a lot more representations of women with hangovers uh, from from that period. There was obviously like, you know, a sort of moral outcry edge to it for a lot of people. But mm-hmm. the impression, you know, in terms of like the critics going, oh, what a scourge, all these drunken women. But I feel like when you actually look at the paintings that the artists have made, I don't feel like they are that judgy. I think they're a bit of a laugh half the time. But, you know, it's up it's a for you to interpret. But I think there's a, a sort of like a, a pinch of lols about it. Mm-hmm. Um, miracle Cures. So, um, obviously, we kind of said nothing really works. <laughs> there are... So, there are um, lots of different reports about how much hangovers cost the economy through, you know, lost productivity and stuff that goes into the billions and billions, hundreds of billions of dollars, according to whatever research you look at. I'm not convinced any of those are, you know, that scientific. But what I was thinking is, yes, that's true. But also, the hangover cures market is also worth billions. <laughs> so you I take bet. from one place, you give to another. And um, the most popular one at the moment, I think, on, on the market is something called Merkel. Not Angela Merkel. Um, Meghan Merkel? Not Meghan Merkel. <laughs> <laughs> but a pill spelt M-Y-R-K-L. Have you heard of this? I've not heard of that one, but I've actually, I've got some said miracle cure hangover pills that I was given at a food trade show <laughs> course, that's been in my cupboard for about four years that I'm like, I'm not putting that in my body, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, they don't seem to be bad thing. Let me tell you about Merkel. So it, it, its claim is that it breaks down 70% of alcohol in 60 minutes after you start drinking. It says, by taking two pills before drinking, you can prevent hangover symptoms like headaches, nausea, and fatigue. And it contains probiotics, probiotic bacteria, um, vitamin B12, and some other stuff. So it's supposed to break it down before it reaches the liver. Um, So there are studies that suggest the elimination rate of alcohol can affect hangover severity. So the quicker it breaks down, the less severe the hangover will be. 
So that I think the pill's intention is to minimize hangovers by breaking down the alcohol um, more quickly. In theory, it could work. It's not that rigorously tested. They they say, oh, we've you know we've done tests and this is why we've launched it. But their tests, they they only did it on something like twenty three people and they only released the results of about sixteen of them and they were mixed at best. So um, <laughs> the the results that have been sort of variously tested in practice have come back with um, conflicting results. So they claim that um, acetic acid, which the liver releases when breaking down alcohol, is what causes the hangover. As I said, it's it's one of the things that causes it, but hangovers, as we now know, are a cocktail of causes <laughs> and symptoms. Um, I did use that intentionally, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, so, but we don't, you know, there isn't really one one cause to address. So that's what makes coming up with a cure quite difficult, really. Um, so they've said it's, it's pretty promising at the moment. Um, it may be that it deals with inflammation. It may be an autoimmune response that causes the bad hangovers. The thing is, with breaking down alcohol faster, it could actually reduce the drunkenness itself because your blood alcohol level is going to be lower faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know whether that's desirable or not. Like, maybe just have less of it (laughs) (laughs) maybe just have less of it i don't really know kind of in what context it's they're proposing that it gets used in um in the long term but um i I think we find with a lot of these when people talk about how to deal with them they get confused between um the the rate and the level of drunkenness and what the hangover will actually be in the end and they're not necessarily exactly related kind of as you were saying with your cures you may feel less yeah. drunk, but it doesn't take away from the eventual hangover and also vice versa. Yep. Um, laughing gas used to be used as a hangover cure for decades oh. before um, it became um, an anaesthetic in the medical and dental fields. I feel like that would make me be sick, definitely. <laughs> and you were talking about painkillers. So the man who discovered ibuprofen, uh, Stuart Adams, he first developed it to test it on his hangover. Mm. So ibuprofen was developed for hangovers, and that's what it was tested for. But obviously now it's widely used as a painkiller. Mm. Um, I found out something pretty amazing about Seven Up. Wow! <laughs> so you know Seven Up, the, the that mm-hmm. thing. Um, it was originally launched as a possible hangover cure or a pick me up, and I'll tell you why. Mm. So it was originally labelled Bib Label Lithiated Lemon Lime Soda <laughs> before it was called Seven Up catchy <laughs> um it was launched it was launched actually just at the time of the wall street crash um in 1929 like a couple of weeks before so the magic ingredient was uh lithium citrate <laughs> which is lithium is a mood stabilizing drug <laughs> which has some questionable effects um, <laughs> and that was in there until 1948 um so it was one of a, a number of the patent medicine products that were popular in the late 19th and early 20th centuries uh, it makes it dangerous to talk about lithium in your soft drinks rather than the cocaine, though, doesn't it? I was going to say, like, that's like head-to-head with coke, isn't it? This is the, well, it's the, the, very much the flip side of, of cocaine. <laughs> Take some lithium. Um, so, yeah, they, they shortened the name to 7-Up Lithiated Lemon Soda before eventually going to 7-Up in 1936. Um, not quite sure why that name revision happened. There's different stories. So Britvik says that it comes from seven main ingredients. They also say that the name alluded to the seven ounce bottles that it came in, as opposed to the um, more usual six ounce bottles from Coca-Cola and other soft drinks. Um, Some people claim that it was a a reference to the lithium contained in the original recipe, because lithium has atomic mass of... 
Savage. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, we don't know. It could be. But how weird is that? I would never have guessed that 7-Up used to just be a sort of lithium-based beverage. That is some great, like, pub trivia knowledge. Yeah. May it come up. Um, obviously, we've got to talk about... We're talking... Um, as well as the drink that you have in the morning, we've spoken about food that you have in the morning. Um... Do you know where brunch comes from? Mm, uh, the gay community? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny that, actually. <laughs> uh, I should probably look into that more specifically if I can. But what I can tell you is that it is English. Um, so there's... Um, in, in Punch, well, actually, in OED, there's, a, there's an 1896 uh, supplement that cites Punch magazine. Um, and says so that it was coined in Britain in 1895 to describe the Sunday meal for Saturday night carousers. Um, and it was a writer called Guy Berenger who wrote an article in Hunter's Weekly called Brunch a Plea. <laughs> it says, instead of England's early Sunday dinner, a post-church ordeal of heavy meats and savoury pies, um, why not a new meal served around noon that starts with tea or coffee, marmalade and other breakfast fixtures before moving on to the heavier four? By eliminating the need to get up early on Sunday, brunch would make life brighter for Saturday night carousers. It would promote human happiness in other ways as well. Brunch is <laughs> cheerful, sociable and inciting, Berenger wrote. It is talk compelling. It puts you in a good temper. It makes you satisfied with yourself and your fellow beings. It sweeps away the worries and cobwebs of the week. Um, so... I mean, it does very much sound like he's pitching for a drag brunch, so... I was <laughs> I gonna say... Probably it's, agree. It's... I'd I'd like to think that that is like the patent for the drag brunch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was quite pleased to learn it was uh, it was English though, uh, and just like straight out a pitch someone made. Can we stop? <laughs> like, can we stop getting up early on Sunday? And you, you know, like, let's just all chill a bit. Um, the but brunch wasn't the only word used at that time um, for the for the mid morning meals. So, punch also said in 1896. The, the combination meal, when nearer the usual breakfast hour, is brunch, and when nearer luncheon, is blunch. Please don't Ooh. forget this, it says. <laughs> but we did punch. We did forget it. We did, Soz. Yeah. That, that, that's two things we need to bring back now, is blunch and crapulence. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I need some <laughs> blunch to aid my crapulence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sashay to my next drag brunch and announce that. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> whilst we're on brunch, I did delve into the weird and wonderful world of hangover foods. Um, I was just interested to see what other countries and cultures enjoy when they're hangover. Mm-hmm. And by God, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just dig straight in. Um, in Iceland, on a hangover, they have a sheep's head terrine. Yeah. Uh, so they don't like waste in Iceland. They eat every single part of the animal. Um, so as much as I don't want to say this sentence, I'm going to. How to prepare your sheep's head terrine. Uh, you take the whole head, you singe the hair, cut the head in half, boil it, salt it, collect the meat as it comes off and cool it in the fridge. Let's Why are you doing there. this to us? Why? <laughs> I gave you like... <laughs> 
Victorian tidbits, something about northern Syria in 2nd century BCE, and you're giving me sheep's heads and awful things. I'm just respecting the cultures, Tim. <laughs> Let's go to the Netherlands. Uh-huh. Um, salted herring. So often eaten raw, salted herring with onions. That'll sort out your hangover, apparently. Um, Russia. They have something that they call rassol. It's a pickled sauerkraut juice. Uh, it's supposed to give you the electrolytes that you flushed out of your body. It's not the nicest thing to drink, so sometimes they make a soup out of it called rassolnik. Um, so obviously they use the sauerkraut juice and they add beef and herbs to make it a little bit more palatable. New Zealand, thankfully they're a bit less weird over there. They like a mince and cheese pie. Um, but then it does get a little bit weird with the mince and cheese pie they swear by having a tall glass of chocolate milk with a pinch of salt Uh, the mix of salt sugar and meat is supposed to be a magic potion that'll make you feel good as new Um, Guatemala is an interesting one, they make a concoction called Picosita that is very cheap beer Um, still in the can so you crack the can open and into the can you add salt, chilli, chopped onions, vinegar mix, Worcester sauce and lime juice. And that is gross. <laughs> 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 um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Australia, they make tiger toast. It's essentially their version of cheese and marmite on toast. Um, so it's toast with me- Vegemite and then you just add strips of cheese alternated between the Vegemite so it looks like a tiger. Ah, yeah, I'm done with that. Um, Hong Kong, they have congee. So that's the sort of porridge that's normally eaten in the morning. wasn't really made for hangovers, but they just discovered that it does soothe an upset stomach. So that's what you'll get in Hong Kong. Um, In Bolivia, they create something called fricasse. It's um, a pork stew. It's known for its restorative qualities. Um, its nickname is Levanta Muerto, which roughly translates to something like bringing the dead back to life. It's like the corpse survivor. Corpse survivor, yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is cumin, garlic, bread. Uh, sorry, cumin, garlic, bread. <laughs> I've just got garlic bread on the brain. Uh, cumin, you can't garlic. handle commas today. You're so anti-comma. <laughs> <laughs> just pushed all these words together like you're German. Yeah. Just get some garlic bread and whack some cumin on it. Um so no, cumin, garlic, comma, bread and potatoes are added to a broth uh, and some pork. Um, it's popular at any time of day and is a lunchtime staple for office workers, but also a hangover cure. Um, in Uganda, if you find yourself hangover, somebody will take you out for luombo. So this is made by wrapping chicken and mushrooms in banana leaves and steaming them. It's um, heavy and stodgy, but not greasy, so it'll be a little bit lighter on your tummy mm-hmm. and let's round it off with something yummy we've had sheep's head so in turkey they have sheep's intestines mm. so they chop up and grill the sheep intestines with peppers and tomatoes and um, this tends to be given to drunk people in um, istanbul in particular i do feel like yeah that's something you'd need to be absolutely shit-faced to to eat <laughs> But apparently it's great for your hangover. Mm-hmm. Sheep's intestines. I'll just stick to Domino's, thanks. <laughs> well, um, 
I'd like to say that I feel better after this episode, but I don't. No. <laughs> I feel much worse. Um, what are you going? Are you going to eat? I'm going to eat something now. I need something. <laughs> um, actually, I ate before this podcast. I had um, I had a lentil and carrot soup and some bread. It was really good. I think I'm going to do a, a Welsh take on the tiger toast. Yeah. Just have some. I've got some tiger bread, so it's halfway there. Tiger yeah. bread. Bit of butter and marmite on it, toasted. Mm-hmm. Put some cheese on. That's what I'm gonna have. I think the the conclusion is. Um, sorry to break it to you all, but there is no scientifically proven hangover cure. <laughs> Everything no. is your own preference. You're all going to react in your own way. Um, so may the uh, may the mythologies continue. I guess. Yeah, it's your own <laughs> fault. You made it happen. Deal with yeah. it. <laughs> the only known cure is to be sensible in the first place. I think it was Ernest, um, <laughs> Ernest Hemingway said the only... I think it was him, said the only cure for a hangover is death. <laughs> well, and on that note, um, <laughs> our glasses have run dry, which means the dog is subdued because this bitch bites back. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. <laughs> Cheers! <laughs> Grim. Tough. <laughs>